0: Hi, everybody. I'm Eve Levy. Welcome back for another installment of our Inspired Jewish Woman weekly podcast. And today I have a dear friend, Jordana Brown. Hey, Jordana. How you doing? Hi, Eve. Hi, everybody else. It's been a while. I miss you. The, the mm-hmm. best part of my job of going to Israel every year, twice a year, is that I get to bump into you. We've bumped into each other and met up a bunch of yes. times.
1: Yes. So funny because you say bump into you, and I say stalk you around the country and find you <laughs> so that I can see oh, you. Yeah.
0: It's just like hush, prati. You know, yeah, know. It's like where are you? I will be there in five minutes. Don't go anywhere. That's awesome. Well, I so appreciate it because Jordana and I go way back. I would say from our seminary years. Is that but not our seminary years?
1: We worked at the same seminary.
0: We worked chapter- or had to work together. That's right. Okay. So that was when, okay. So that was chapter two of my Israel experience, not our own seminary years, right. but when we were involved in seminary. Right. So interesting. I feel like I know you from way before that, but it's probably just like this soul connection. Let me introduce Jordana because Jordana is a light in the Jewish world. She is an inspiration to so many. She is out there. She is, I tell you, Jordana, you are living my dream. Okay, so I'm a little jealous, but gonna put that aside right now. Jordana is born and bred in New York, who made Aliyah in 2014 on her own, by the way, which takes guts, not even easy to do with someone, but to do it on your own, I I can't even imagine. We're gonna hear your stories and how that was for you. In the states, Georgiana was a licensed speech therapist and she was active in her outreach community of Kirov. She staffed more than a dozen birthright trips. So Georgiana was very busy in the birthright world staffing so many trips and eventually she realized that her future is in Israel. So since making aliyah, she has become an advocate and a resource for people that want to make Aliyah and learn more about this process. And she helps them. She holds their hand as they take this plunge. And I think you're mostly working with young observant professionals. Yes, no, I'm all people. Right? Yeah, mostly young observant
1: professionals. So also non-observant, also non-professionals, also. I mean, anyone who wants to. But that's probably my area of expertise.
0: we're going to hear so much from you in a second. Jordana first lived in Jerusalem. She was this Jerusalemite woman and I thought you would stay there forever, but surprises with Jordana. So Jordana now lives in Tel Aviv and she's an active part of the Tel Aviv community, which is so new to me because when I lived in Israel for 12 years, I was living in Jerusalem. I only went to Tel Aviv to do some shopping. I go to the beach. Or the beach, that's true, but mm-hmm. more the shopping because I was a seamstress back in those days. I don't know if you remember me. Oh. That, that was pre my seminary years. So I used to shop in Nahalat Yamin. And yeah, so Tel Aviv definitely has a vibe of its own. And I'm just going to end with this Jordana believes that there is a place for every single Jew in Israel. We're going to call this conversation Yala Aliyah. Okay, like let's go Aliyah. So tell us, let's- fire us. Let's hear what
1: you got. In case anyone who's listening doesn't know what Yala means, it's actually Arabic and it means let's go, but it's definitely been adapted in the Hebrew and Israeli culture. So everybody says Yala, it means let's go, or you got it, or it's just like this like action verb that means like, let's go. So um, we all love it. So Yala Aliyah to, to me means let's go. It's time to make Aliyah. So I lived in New York until 2014. I was born there. I was raised there. And I thought that I would die there, honestly. And you Um, have
0: such a beautiful family there. Sisters and your parents are awesome.
1: And I have nieces and nephews and, and I had a good job and the whole thing. There's like this reputation that sometimes people who are making Aliyah are like running away from something. And that's like the first thing my mom said to me. She was like, what are you running away from? And I was like, oh, I'm not running away from anything. I like, I'm doing this very on purpose. So I lived in New York and I grew up in a very typical modern Orthodox home. I went to Jewish schools my whole life, Jewish camps my whole life, Jewish Pesach programs. I mean, like my whole life was in a modern Orthodox bubble. Absolutely loved it. Never had any interest in going elsewhere. Uh, And I took what I call the road more traveled. And I went to college and grad school and I became a speech therapist. And I did what I was supposed to do.
0: You did like the good from girl thing.
1: Exactly. No little from girl grows up and six years old. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a speech therapist. It's just not a thing, but it's practical. So that's what I did. And I enjoyed it. It was never, you know, my life's ambition, but it was fine. And um, I think at some point you kind of, and then this is in the firm community, very in the Orthodox community, common issue is that if you are single, Uh, and you don't get married and you don't have children at a certain point in time, you don't feel as much a part of the community. But you explore different facets of your personality and different facets of things that make you happy that you wouldn't Really pursue if you were, you know, in a marriage and had a family. It's just like a reality. Like you don't do as much traveling when you have a husband and a family. You don't do as much partake in as many hobbies. You don't go out as much. So, um, so I had this flexibility um, to kind of spend my time as I chose and at a certain point I got very interested in Jewish outreach and I worked with the organization Asha Torah and I worked with partners in Torah. I mean I was like what I call like madricha you know what I mean like if you meet anyone right now age 25 to 35 I was their madricha. So at one point, I got involved with Birthright, which is, I feel like everybody knows, a trip for 18 to 26-year-olds to take to Israel for 10 days for free, and they can learn about the country and their heritage, and it's really wonderful. I was a counselor 12 times, and about the sixth time, someone said to me, why don't you live here? You're here so much. And I said, yeah, that's a good question. And then people would ask me that all the time because I would go every winter and summer break to Israel, it just became really a second home home for me. And around that same time, I would have conversations with, let's call them ultra Zionist friends. And they would be based on the Torah Jewish perspective on living in Israel. And it came to a point where I really started to believe, and I really started to integrate into my kind of ideology that Jews are meant to live in Israel. And that for whatever reason, over the past 2000 years, we haven't been living in Israel as a nation, you know, but that in 1948, a miracle happened and Jews were allowed to come home. And at a certain point, it became baffling to me why Jews weren't choosing to come home, specifically from America. And I'm going to say Canada, but specifically from America and this is going to be controversial and I apologize to anybody who gets offended, but I think that a major reason that people don't make aliyah is like the monetary materialistic aspect of what the comfort level, but a lot of people, you know, that that's not me. That's not who I am. That was me. I was materialistic. I was very interested. I was a shopping fanatic. I was interested in living a nice life. And you know, the thought of moving to a different country where the standard of living was very different, I don't want to say lower, but very different, was very overwhelming. For me, the big issue with moving to Israel was always leaving my family. It was never anything other than feeling like I can't be without them. And then I got to a certain point where I just thought, I can't live my entire life for other people. And that's what I was doing. I felt I was looking down the barrel of another year, doing the same thing over and over living, you know, just for winter break or living just for summer break. So I could get back to Israel. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And I just felt like that's what I was doing in the United States. I was just doing the same thing year after year. I think about this all the time. I think like the years in my (laughs) twenties, I don't know how to differentiate them. They are a blob to me. They're all the same. And they were happy and I was content and I was, you know, fulfilled. But I cannot imagine if I had stayed there and lived the same way for the, you know. So at a certain point, I told my mom, I remember this conversation so distinctly. I said to my mom, I think it was September. And I said, I'm going to start planning my Aliyah and I want to do it in the summer you know, she was very nervous about me finding someone. So I said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to give myself another year to date in the United States. And if I find someone and he wants to live in America, I will stay in America and that's where I'll live. But if not, I need to go and live my own life. And so I moved back home that year and I lived at home and I saved money and planned my Aliyah and I didn't find someone that year. And I was so excited and I made Aliyah and and it was to this day as of now, the greatest decision that I've made.
0: Wow, that's so amazing. As you're talking, and you're like in Israel, so I had there's a lot of emotions because I feel that my soul is supposed to be in Israel. The first time I went to Israel was for my bat mitzvah. And I remember feeling like this is home. And then the next time I went was when I was 18 and I came there for the year and I got off the airplane and I, in those days, you know, 20 something years ago, the airplane, you would get off the airplane, you would walk down the steps, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. bend down on the ground.
1: Onto the tarmac. The
0: ground, right? You remember those? Yes, days? of
1: course. I mean, that was, I was a little, a little younger, but yeah, I remember it totally.
0: Kissing the ground. Like this was like the dream of my ancestors. This is, right namesake died. She was a Zionist fighting in an underground kibbutz and she died. Yeah. She didn't leave her people. She actually had this like, flight to freedom like she could have left but she said no i need to be with my people and when the nazis stormed into the underground makeshift kibbutz they said who's in charge and she stepped forward and they shot her so my whole life from the time i'm like two years old three years old i'm hearing this story and my whole like soul is like intertwined with israel yeah
1: and that's by the way a blessing because unfortunately it's not a given
0: Right. But the, the painful part, Jordana, is right now I'm not there. And I lived there for many years and it was magical. Yes. But I remember when we left and I'm not sure if you were around, if you were there at my goodbye party. No. But if you were there, you would have remembered that I was a sobbing mess. The way yeah. that I described it to my sister-in-laws was it felt like my soul was being pulled out of its socket. That's how painful it felt, like on a level that's, it wasn't like a physical thing. It was just like, oh my goodness. But yeah. it was very q- quickly afterwards when we settled in Denver, Colorado, that I realized, oh my gosh, maybe Hashem wants me here. Maybe maybe part of my mission right now is to talk about Israel and to bring women to Israel. And that became my my path, right? I brought hundreds of women on trips to Israel and, and that yeah. gives me so much fulfillment, but something yeah. that keeps coming to my mind is it takes merit to live in Israel. Like not everyone is able to do it. You're lucky you had a lot of flexibility in your life. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be so easy for an older family, let's say, or someone that's, this is where their livelihood is. Like it's not always so simple that you can say, we're doing it. We're going to live our dream because a lot of people make Aliyah. And then a couple of years later, they can't handle it. They can't keep up their kids for so many reasons and they have to go back home kind right. of like Well like- first of all
1: I've kind of changed my vernacular so I don't ever use the phrase in going to America I never use the phrase going home okay. um I, I I do think it's disrespectful to Israel I do think Israel is everyone's home and then you know there is the concept that everyone can have two homes which is true um but they're going back to America and that happens all the time I mean I would say from the time that I Made Aliyah, my cohort, I would say half of them went back to their country of origin. And that's just a reality. And I think that that happens when someone comes to Israel, either A, just to try it, you know, just to try it out. That's just not going to work. You know, it's not a toaster oven. And um, B, they have one foot in and one foot out. You can't live in two places at one time. You can't, you know, live your life with, uh, you know, perpetual FOMO about what's going on in your country of origin, you need to come with two feet in. Um, but yeah, I was lucky. And I do see, I do see that there are reasons that people can't be here. Um, legitimate reason. So what I like to do is I like to differentiate the concept of being pro-Israel versus being Zionist. And my goal is that everybody should have the desire to live in israel whether or not they pursue that whether or not that comes to fruition that's on them but you know it it hurts me to my core when there are jews that don't even want to live in israel that's something i can't understand i can understand not living in israel i just can't understand that not being a goal Mm.
0: Yeah. It's hard for me. It's hard for me. I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine and I had it when I was living in Israel, you know, like here I can understand why people are not there. But when I was there, it was harder for me to understand how come everyone's not getting on a plane? Like guys, come on. It's amazing. You know, it's
1: funny. You know, it's funny that you say that because when I'm here, I can understand it. But when I'm in America, I'm just like, what are these people talking about? Like I have, and I feel very lucky that when I'm in America, because I do get to go To see my family, I'm pretty portable. I'm much more portable than my family is. Um, So when I get to see them in the States, I don't have ever a desire to stay. Mm. I don't ever have the FOMO that I wish that this was my life. I never have the pull to make that my home again. A lot of my friends have
0: that. Right, you know, awesome. they, you so see your family, you're filling yourself up, you do your Target runs. <laughs> so, I get my Trader Joe's spices, and then I'm good. I remember talking to a good friend of mine who was living in Canada at the time, I was in Israel, and I mm-hmm. said, Rachel, don't you want to move here? And she was actually a single girl at the time. And, you know, she, she, she was able, she was transportable. Like she was able to pick up and go. And she said to me, you know, Eve, I don't really have the desire. When Mashiach comes, then Oh. Oh, and I was just like, I sat with that. I was like, no, like we need to. Okay, so you get it, you get it.
1: I mean, I hear it all the time. I don't want to call out any specific group of people, but it comes from a very specific religious ideology, I will say. I would say, if I asked you to describe Rachel, if I described her to you, you would say, yeah, that's her. So it's very much what your teachers in second grade told you. Mashiach's coming on a donkey. We're going yeah. on the wings of an eagle. Very true. So I think it's a non-answer when Mashiach comes. You right. know, it's a cop-out.
0: Like when he comes, are, are the Jews going to actually want to pick up and go then, right?
1: If they're not, is or the answer. You
0: have to want it, I guess, now.
1: Right, I mean, listen, if everybody here could like live in the King David, and have hotel breakfast every day that would be great. I think that's how a lot of people see Israel. A lot of people see, you know, what I call the birthright tour version of Israel or the the vacation right. part of Israel. And that's just, you, you know, they'll come talk. here and they'll be like, "I know where to go," you know? And then they'll take you to Cafe Ramon and you're like, "Seriously? This is
0: this is, this is amazing." <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So so Jordana, let's, let's get a, a reel over here because you're a really strong woman and you're just, yeah. you're, you can handle a lot, but I want to know what were the harder parts of it? Were there moments of loneliness and homesickness and um, maybe the culture clash of Israelis? Like it's just, it's a different world out there. Like some of the harder moments for you and and what people should expect when making this plunge?
1: Okay, so I always say that one of the luckiest parts of my Aliyah was that I made Aliyah from New York. Being a New Yorker and being an Israeli are very similar, and that's why when I think of you, my sweet Torontonian, or someone from the Midwest, or you know, someone with a sensibility, I think it might be a little bit more um, overwhelming for them because it is a very upfront culture. It is a very brusque culture, and I don't get offended. That easily. So it hasn't really affected me, but it definitely brings people down. Things take a lot longer here. Like, for example, in America, if you had to go to the bank, you would go block out 15 minutes and do your banking. And in Israel, it's at least an hour long process. Mm-hmm. Um, the post office is an hour long process. You know, things don't find their way in the mail here. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten a regular invitation, like, paper invitation in years because we just use evites because that's the only way it would work you know that's the only way we'd get the information so these things these are you know minor inconveniences that just someone who is used to every convenience kind of throws them for a loop Mm -hmm. also hebrew and i don't want to say if you don't have a perfect hebrew you can't move here because i do not have a perfect hebrew if you don't have a perfect hebrew and you want to live in israel move to a community with a lot of English speakers. And even if you want to live on a kibbutz and experience the real Israel, you're making life very difficult for yourself. It's not a good move. There are plenty of communities with lots and lots of Anglos. They're a little bit more expensive, but your kids will have people to talk to. You'll have people to talk to. Everybody in your shul you'll be able to talk to. So
0: right, you're all I can't- in the same place.
1: What I always say is that, you know I'm going to live this very like English speaking existence. And then as Rav my kids will, I have what I always say is, translate my bills for me. You know what I mean? Like, they'll tell me, you know, what this says, what this means. There's a sign on the door of my apartment building. It could say, you know, like dead animals in the backyard. And I would have no idea because I've never even
0: thought to read it in so many words. (laughs) That's amazing. I, so. remember, I remember simple things like going to pay the Arnona bills, like the taxes on, on the apartments. Yes. I, I just remember coming home in tears, like, yes, bring the right paper. Like, there were those, we call it like Yisurin, right? Yisurin right. is small hardships, like challenges right. you say that you can't get Israel without those hardships. Like it's part right. of the price. It's the price you pay. It's worth it. Clearly like right. you live in Israel, but it comes with the challenges.
1: hundred percent. Even the Israel that we lived in, in whatever it was, 2007, 2008 is not the Israel that exists now. I mean, there's an app for everything there. Everything is online. Everything, you know what I mean? Like We have a million and one apps for every possibility. Like, you know what I mean? So life here is extremely, and, you know, now you can see that Israel really has their, you know, their stuff together when it comes to healthcare. Oh my gosh, I can't can't believe that I get to live in the country that will be the first vaccinated country in in the world. That's crazy. It's
0: incredible.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, there's there's, there's there's a lot of minor inconveniences that if you see them as minor inconveniences and not the end of the world, aren't that bad.
0: Right. Your perspective is everything.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I always say that one of the worst things that you can do is expect to move your life from America to Israel. Because unless you have a lot of money, mm. your life will be different. In some ways, you're going to have a smaller apartment you're going to maybe live in an apartment and not a house you're going to you know you're not going to be around your family all the time so things are different here yeah. but you know for two thousand years we all you know davened toward Yerushalayim we all said mm-hmm. we all we, we say you know things about living in Israel like hundreds of times a day you know in davening mm-hmm. and then people are like my ultimate goal is to live in the five towns like what <laughs> what is what are you saying
0: like one of my friends that lives in jerusalem her name is chaya lester have you ever heard of chaya lester kaplan Lester? No. she lives in Nahla. Uh,
1: so <laughs> then i i got i i have the idea
0: you get it you get it like what <laughs> So Chaya, I was sitting with her. We were on a bus and there was a massive traffic jam, which is so Israel, right? You're like just getting from one place to the next. It's a headache. You come out, you're stressed. You feel like you need to say a blessing that you're still alive. Like the driving in it is pretty insane. And she said, she just gave such great perspective to it. She said, my soul has been waiting for 2000 years to sit in this traffic jam. And you know, I've been to Israel so many times since she said that. And every time I'm sitting in a traffic jam or waiting in line for my coffee or whatever it is, there's lines everywhere. Thank God, there's so many people, it's so alive. I just think like, yes, this is exactly where I need to be right now. Like even you, it's annoying, but this is like, this is like the purpose of, of, of who we are. This is like, let's just be here. This is a miracle.
1: You know, it's so funny because people have been talking about how since Corona and for Israel specifically, uh, kind of shut its borders to anyone who was an Israeli about 10 months ago, I think, like I think in April, you know, it's a weird thing to be in the country with No visitors, no birth writers, you know, it's like such a weird experience because we're so used to the hospitality culture. And someone was saying that Americans or Jews, you know, diasporic Jews for the first time are seeing what it's like when going to Israel is not an option. And that's like for the first time in their lifetimes when they can't come to Israel.
0: That's so true. Yeah. I know that Aliyah is definitely on the rise now with Corona and with that, just in general, like people are waking up. Many of my very close friends have been making Aliyah over the last couple of years. It's interesting that the last two jobs, like the job that we're in right now, which is Rabbi and Rabisa of the Sephardic community here in Portland. So we stepped in after mm-hmm. Rabbi Kaplan and Mira made Aliyah. And now we're going to be moving this summer, hopefully to Chicago, to Deerfield, Illinois, where Mm -hmm. once again, we're stepping in for this incredible family, David and Ali Vegan, to make their dream come true and make Aliyah. When
1: is it going to be our chance? No, that's it. Whoever takes over for you is going to say, and Um, we're taking over for Gadi and Eve Levy, who made Aliyah, Finally.
0: I, I do think it's going to be another quite a few years. We have to pull our kids through the school system at this point. Yeah. So we have another decade. I'm just, if anyone's listening from Deerfield and I'm like, no, they want to leave. <laughs> no, we got another decade with you ladies and, and men. But yeah, I'll tell you when I need a good cry, I search for videos of people making aliyah. Literally, <laughs> the, the nefesh b'nefesh videos out there, like I've watched Jamie Gallagher making so aliyah. I cry my heart out. You know, like sometimes you just need a good cry. Like your soul just needs to like release like pain or-, or- Totally. So that's that's what gets me going. I watch, and I read stories of families that are taking this plunge, making their dream come true. And the hardships yeah. and the struggles and the triumphs and overcoming and really keeping things in perspective. There's sacrifice involved when it's such a significant thing that you're going for. There's going to yeah. be foils. It's not going to be simple, but you would never give it up for anything. Like I look at you, there's been hardships, right? Jordan and yes, Adam but like, you're such a light, like you're living your mission and you're sharing yes. that with people. And it's, I'm, I'm just so impressed with you. And I give you a bracha that you should always have co and strength to continue this holy work because oh. yeah, it's big stuff. I want to
1: make it seem more attainable because I think one of the issues that Aliyah has is that people think that it's this like unattainable goal and it's not. It's an attainable goal and it's something that you need to work for, but we work for things all the time and it's very, very doable. When I was involved in Kirov, one of the Kirov rabbis said this really great thing and he said, like, what is the opposite of pleasure? Do you know?
0: So we would probably say pain.
1: Right. So most people think pain
0: and he said, is it
1: comfort? It's comfort. Exactly. exactly." right. So the opposite of pleasure is not pain because, you know, something painful might be pleasurable to someone. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's comfort and comfort is just stagnation. You know, it's this homeostasis of everything's fine and everything's good. And I'm headed down the assembly line like I was meant to be. It's, um, try
0: not to like, you know, just go around the lampposts, you know, like just keep going and like
1: hitting all your targets. You know, I think at the end of the day, it's one of the most pleasurable things that I've ever done, hmm. even though it was difficult and it was struggle sometimes. And I don't want people to think that it's not doable. You know, I'd like them to think I'm a light. That's really wonderful. But to think that I'm doing something that, you know, is unattainable is not true. I'm doing something that truly anyone can do. I think that at some point in their life, everyone can do it. You know, if you have a second grader and a fifth grader, I don't know that that's the perfect time to do it. But I do think that there is a time in someone's life to do it. And I think that it should be a goal. It should be. And An aspiration. I love,
0: I love how you put it in the beginning. At, at least you need to, at least you should want it, even mm-hmm. if it's attainable for now. But that desire, like waking up, that heart, that that yearning.
1: Yeah, I, seeing I, your friends in Israel, and being like, oh. I'd love to be there. I'd love to do that. I'd love that to be my life. You know, people have elderly parents and people have sick children. And I mean, there's a, you know, there's a plethora of reasons why someone can't do it right then, but it should always be an aspiration because there's nothing that Israel doesn't have that you need that Israel doesn't
0: have. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that Israel doesn't have that you want (laughs) a lot,
1: (laughs) but nothing that you need.
0: Right. It's so true. So. So true. I always tell people
1: the only things, the only, only, only things that don't get easier is missing your family. Mm. It's the only thing. Everything else gets easier. I don't miss anything.
0: Yeah. I remember when I was leaving Israel at that goodbye party where I was just crying and crying and crying. I remember thinking, if I could just stay in Israel and just be a simple Jerusalem woman, just raising my family in Israel, that would be enough it's interesting. Like we went on and we're doing incredible things in the Jewish world. And we're, we're like bringing people closer to God. And, you know, I feel like we know that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, but I remember Mm -hmm. distinctly that feeling of, I would give all of that up. Like all of the big things that we're about to do with our life. I just, it's it's so it's so equal in my books to being a simple Jerusalem lady, like just live. But you don't have to be a simple Jerusalem lady. You can be impressive a Jerusalem lady. It's true, but I'm saying just <laughs> like like my sister-in-laws, I have a lot of brothers and sisters that live in Israel. And mm-hmm. sometimes they're feeling down. They're like, what are we doing here? And I'm like, are you for real? You guys are living in Israel. Like that is in of itself is huge. Like that's enough. Yeah. Like we're like spinning our wheels over here trying to do things for the Jewish world. But like, you live in Israel. Like, right. that is like, guys, see it. It's incredible. But sometimes, sometimes the people in Israel need to be told that. Or need Oh, to be 100%. Secular
1: yeah. Tel Avivian, when I'm walking around Tel Aviv or if I go on a date with someone from Tel Aviv and they say, where are you from? And I say New York, they get personally angry that I had the audacity to leave New York that I had the audacity to have two working passports and utilizing the wrong one. Absolutely. They think that I'm the craziest person in the world. I think that Israel needs to teach a Zionist course in every single class that they have. Personally, I've thought of this like many times. I wish the Israelis had the love of Israel that I had as an American.
0: Maybe that's one of the reasons that you're
1: there. 100%. One
0: person at a time. Just keep, keep at it. Wow. This was so much fun. This is so incredible. I don't know if there's anything to leave us with. I want to make sure that whoever's listening, if they want to find you, I know that you're out there, you have a blog and she also has a podcast called Yala Aliyah, which is what we're (laughs) we're talking about today. And um, how else can we find you?
1: I am at Jordana underscore Brown on Instagram. So people can ask me questions there. Um, I'm also like affiliated with Peas in the Holy Land, which is Peas, Loving Carrots, Israel page, but it's not so active. So if you're interested, you can find me there. Danielle, who is my friend, Peas, Loving Carrots, she started this like, Instagram dedicated to Israel and motivating people to move, which started off with a bang, but then, you know, it was hard for us all to maintain, but it still exists. So you can try and follow us there. And then you can say, hey, Jordana, what's up?
0: What's your most active platform right now? Like, I would say, I would say follow you.
1: I would say Instagram um, only because I don't accept like friend requests from people that I'm not friends with on Facebook, Um, but Instagram at Jordana underscore Brown. Lots of pictures of Israel, so you can't miss it. Um, Yeah, and my blog is great. Unfortunately, I'm not so on top of that either. My blog was started to kind of track my Aliyah. And my Aliyah, thank God, was many years ago. So, you know, it's in the beginning, everything is new and interesting and exciting. And then at a certain point, it's the same. And definitely since COVID hit, it's been, you know, a bit even keeled. So...
0: Okay. Well, soon we're gonna turn that corner, and we can't wait to come see you in person. Amen. Amen. I can't wait. Yeah, I think you're right. When when they closed the borders of Israel, that was like it was a wake up. It was yeah. That's when you really listen. I'm from Canada, so they closed the borders of Canada. I felt oh, Mm -hmm. I hope they're safe. Whatever they need me, you know, there was all that guilt and fear attached. But when they closed the borders of Israel. It woke something else up in me. Like even if I wanted, even with all the money in the world, I cannot get into the holy land of Israel. Well,
1: there is one way, as you know, right?
0: Dying. People who made Aliyah, or 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 dying, right? They did. There were. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't gonna
1: say that. Like, I was gonna, gonna sure say if you way. made Aliyah. I actually was. I was on a flight with this older couple who made mm-hmm. Aliyah because they had planned to in the future because their kids lived there. Uh then they moved up their aliyah because they couldn't see their kids for however long. And so they made aliyah earlier. Wow. Wild, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, we should all make it back there soon. And Amen. I wanna thank you, Jordana, for Aww, having thank you for having me. And being such a light and sharing with us today. Thank you so, so much.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Take care. Thanks everybody for joining.
1: Bye. Bye.